Hello and welcome to Hannah's and Ruth's, where we discuss and remember and think about John Irving's A Widow for One Year, a book that we both read in 1998 and have been thinking about ever since then. My name is Casey Burkholder and my name is Brittany Richards. Let's get into it. Excellent. <laughs> So we had a bit of a mix up this week. It's, it is episode three. So Casey read chapter three, but I read chapter two because episode one. Mind. Yeah, no, I think, you know what? So we're going to get caught up now. So this episode, we will be discussing chapters two and three. Chapter two is titled Summer Job. Right. And chapter three is a sound like someone trying not to make a sound. I believe. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. Perfect. Right. Okay. So chapter two, um, I just wanted to point out that the, the Exeter yearbook is called peen. <laughs> P E A N. I'm not sure they, uh, give the, like, tell you what the acronym stands for. It's P E A N peen. But every time I kept reading peen, I, uh, I, I was chuckling. It, it definitely is something that went past me as a, as a young person, but now as an old perv, I'm thinking, ha ha, peen, his, his picture's in the peen. <laughs> it's so funny because I was so affected by this book that the first time I went to Boston and my parents at the time were living in Fredericton. So my mother drove me to Boston and there was a turnoff on the highway at some point between Fredericton <laughs> and Boston for Exeter. And there was a sign on the side of the road. And I was like, <gasps> and like <laughs> excited as though I'd seen a celebrity. I remember the story. In fact, I remember you telling me about this. Who is the most famous person you've been in a close proximity with? Oh, um, I once met Kim Cattrall. Yeah. I don't, why? Who's yours? Um, uh, on a wind tour. I was. Oh, with, yeah. In an elevator, right? In an elevator with her at a contemporary art museum in Paris. Right. I, w I had my giant ass baby stroller, which Parisians were really looking down on. <laughs> <laughs> Taking up most of the elevator. <laughs> and like just sweating because it was like plus I don't know 32 um and she was wearing this like gorgeous like Chanel kind of gown though it was like a day gown <laughs> right your average day gown it, it is Paris <laughs> did she say to you that's all did she no, do no 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 eye contact, nothing. Just like, oh, who's this asshole with this like cheap baby carriage in this elevator I'm trying to take? And I was looking at Tyler like, oh, a celebrity. And did he, he like, know who it was? Or no, did he just, of yeah, of course. Not. I see, that's my problem. Whenever I would see celebrities in New York, I never recognize them. How would you I know. Anytime I actually, realized I'd seen a celebrity, someone pointed them out to me. I once saw Michael Sarah on the street and I thought he was someone I went to school with. And so I started smiling because I was about to say hello. And then as we got closer and he was showing no recognition of me, I was like, oh shit, I don't know that guy. He's from Arrested Development. 
Yeah, but he looks like a guy you could have gone to high school. Like that's exactly, exactly. He just looks normal. It's not like Jennifer Lopez, where it's like <laughs> you feel like there's no would, big production. Or she would like emanate a glow, like walking down. I just feel like there'd be like a scent and a glow. <laughs> it's funny you say that because it so happens her perfume is called glow. Her very scent is called glow. And I was the reason the reason this is like fresh in my mind is because on the weekend, Jeff and I got into a debate about who was worth more, her or A-Rod. I guess that's her fiance on again, off again. Will they or won't they? Um, anyway, I guess J-Lo. I was obviously right. Yeah. But I was like, in addition to like her movies and music, I know she has products, including Glow by J-Lo, because I used to have the perfume. I think I wore, I don't know if it was high school, probably while we read this book. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not while we read this book. This book was 98 or 99 maximum when we read. I'm sure we were in grade. I, I think, think it was grade, between grade, grade eight and nine. I'm saying somewhere between grade nine and 10, but it was in that. So it was somewhere between 98 and 2000, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. So the peen. Um, my next, my next comment on chapter two. So what basically happens in chapter two is um, they introduce minty o'hare that's eddie's dad who yeah. gets him the job working for ted minty is the one who sends the yearbooks the exeter yearbooks to ted and marion every year where she kind of like morosely looks over the yearbooks and looks at the kids who re recognize or who resemble her dead sons i did read this I'm, it's you did read it i read it but then i just kept going that's the problem perfect Apologies. okay um, so, but this line stood out to me. They described Eddie as a, uh, they said, there's the solemn anticipation of some future sorrow in his large, dark eyes. Solemn anticipation of some future sorrow in his large, dark eyes. So we know what the future sorrow is because we have read the book. And I recall that he, I'm just going to say it, spoiler alert, he never gets over Marion. Right. But I'm wondering, what is the author saying? Is it, is this destiny or, or does Eddie have free will? Or is this solemn that's in his eyes out of his control? That's so interesting because as soon as you said that, I was thinking like, what would it have looked like to look back at my own eyes? Like, Ooh. <laughs> like what was I emanating into the world? I feel like a lot of, um, uh, like, I always wanted to position myself as a mature, a mature person. <laughs> uh, but of course, like I was very young, but I, I would fake maturity. Oh, right. Right. Like, I remember, I was just thinking this the other day about my first kiss, which happened much later than many other people's, but how I wouldn't allow it to be like, this is my first kiss. I had to layered in pretense of like I feel so nervous as though it were my first kiss I remember saying that out loud which was like a complete lie <laughs> I but did like, the same was thing that and that's sad actually it's no, it was just like a wanting of a future and to be seen as like knowledgeable about the world um and not willing to be 
vulnerable. I think mm-hmm. it's honestly, yes. me, it's about that. Like because yeah. vulnerability in our families is a scary thing. Like you must never be vulnerable or you will be attacked <laughs> verbally, <laughs> not physically, but you know, verbally. Yeah. So like yeah. you learn that from an early age in both of our very different families, you learn that. Uh, so that's like so sad to not be willing to be, but anyway, that's what it made me think of is like, what were my eyes like looking back with an adult's eyes on what I remember of my youth? It was so much pretending, like so much lying and pretending. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know, you, you were around young people more than I am. So, so you tell me, but, um, it's like 20 year olds, but okay. But that's still young to me at the, at this, at this stage in my life, like 20 seems young, but like, do you not think that 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 young people today are still posturing, are still kind of like pretending they know more than they do, and talking like a big game? I work with are so themselves, and that I find so shocking as an adult who's still like trying to be in my in the world as myself. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a big. But again, one. like I don't know, like. I can't say in a general way what the youth are like, but the the sure. young people that I work with, not the teachers, they're very much like those type A kind of <laughs> organizers. Yeah. <laughs> just organized, but also like the people who do a bachelor of education often are like either the people who really are good at following rules, one, or mm. two, don't quite know what to do with themselves. Uh, like that's kind of who does the program. Gotcha. Same as when I did teacher's college. I did because my parents told me that being a librarian was a bad job. Also, like, why did I listen to them? Being a librarian is an amazing job. Also, it's a hugely growing field. Like, they had no idea. But I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll listen to you. But it doesn't matter. Like, I love my job. It's fine. Uh, But, yeah, I don't, I can't say what the youth are like. But I do recognize in the young people I work with, especially, like, queer, trans, and non-binary young people, they're so know themselves and are willing right. to be vulnerable in the world in a way that I feel deeply jealous of, even as an old person. Yeah. Like to have that kind of radical vulnerability and be like, yeah, fuck it. This is who I am. I, I find that so amazing. I like lifelong liar. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I'm willing to be seen as either <laughs> the sheep or the outside person. I had to be some like weird in between her yes no I, I hear what you're saying and I think for me I agree I I was also a bit more of a pretender such a pretender in fact that I went to acting school where it was challenging even to be vulnerable as a character but I will say yeah. that I I did kind of master that or or find comfort in that I got I got comfortable doing that being vulnerable on behalf of a character but yeah. still not as myself. I'm happy to channel my pain through a character's pain because then it's like disguised as someone else's pain. But I have trouble just feeling my pain as me in front of people. Oh my God, that's so interesting. That's totally what I do in academic writing for sure. I'm like, look at all these young people like just being badass, like and putting it all out there, doing amazing work in these like localized ways that are so important. And all I'm doing is being the conduit, not unlike an actor, <laughs> yes. but like through the written word. It's like the same, yeah. it's not the same, but it's the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes. um, 
being a conduit for someone else's ideas and and not just pain but also like love and action and but it, it can even be like your like putting it through your experience your but you're putting it through somebody else so that like you oh, don't have to I'll stand in it <laughs> yeah you don't have to like tack your name onto it you know or like i don't have i'm crying because this character went through all this shit, not because i did oh yeah you know meanwhile of course i'm drawing on my own pain but i'm not admitting that it's my pain <laughs> exactly like i do all this work with like queer trans non-binary youth where i'm like school's homophobic people are homophobic and never being like when I was in grade six, everyone was like, you're a lesbian. So I was like, you can never be a lesbian. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, is that not just what I'm like trying to write as an adult? Like in this yeah. weird, ugh. Anyway, it is what it is. It is what it is. What did they see in us? That's what I want to know. Like, what did they see that we didn't see? That's what I want to know. Those like- uh, I think probably probably that attack on us suppressed what what would have been <laughs> suppressed what we're talking about now us i always i always tell people oh you have to be the ueest you you know fully admitting that i'm not necessarily the meiest me <laughs> and and i think that's maybe maybe what that bullying uh suppressed in us and why why we were a lot of bravado and why we did have armor and, and weren't comfortable being vulnerable. Oh yeah. And like interested in talking about sexuality, but only in the most heterosexual way. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's so, I just think like, what did they see? I think they were just dumb and jealous of our deep friendship, but also- And like our intelligence. And the fact that we weren't like, oh, let's wear platform shoes and do like get a cap and do highlights. And like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, also cool, like do that. But also it doesn't have to be an attack on other people's versions of themselves. But I also remember us being deeply anti-feminist and being like that person has large breasts and therefore they are like deeply sexually active. So we were in that way, like, pivoting the spotlight away from ourselves to hurt another which i still feel terrible about i know anyway uh, it's easy to be smart and retrospective now a very easy a very very easy yeah 25 years later yes very look easy. at us telling the truth <laughs> and you know those people never think about it at all they don't think about it at all. They're like, I, I was in school. I don't know. <laughs> unlikely. Very unlikely. Um, so one more comment on chapter two. And just, I think this came up in chapter one. But again, in chapter two, Marion is referred to as poor Marion. Yeah. And it, oh, and her pink fingernail. And right. I just, yeah. These are things that bothered me. Okay, so... I'll talk about chapter three. Yeah, have not read it. Like was trying not to make it since sound. 2000. Yes, I read it. I read it 21 years ago. <laughs> so I'm sure you remember what brings this about. So Ruth, as a four-year-old child, wakes up and her dad is naked, as they talk about in the book, which again right. is very interesting. There's like all these moments where uh, young Ruth encounters like 
sexuality, but it's not sexual. Do you know what I mean? Like she, yeah, like she, she talked about her dad's penis. World, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quote unquote funny. Yeah, know, which is fine. Um, and she's like, I heard a sound like someone trying not to make a sound, and the dad is very compelled by that phrasing, and so he writes it down. He's like. It is like great phrasing to think. It is. It It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then it talks, it goes back in time and it talks about the brothers. It talks about Ruth seeing pictures of them on the wall because to get her back to sleep, the dad tells her the story uh, of the mouse crawling between the walls, which begins with the line that's so amazing. Tom woke up, but Tim did not. And then they talk about how like that's such a beautiful phrase to me, like asterisk, let's do an aside. I think it's really interesting as an author to to focus on like what a good sentence is because I agree there's ways that even in my own writing, I'm like, oh, that's a good sentence. And like, you yeah, can yourself. yeah. to make that a point in the book is very odd and interesting, I think. Like a it's bit- very well written. Like that, yeah. you can't argue with that. It's just like the words are great. Yeah, at the sentence level, yeah. it's beautiful. I'm yeah. very discerning at the sentence level. And this still years later, like ticks the boxes. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. As a sentence level. But anyway. So we did have good piece. taste. We had good taste. I'll just put that still out there. Do. <laughs> still do. Uh, but one thing I found really interesting when I read it originally, obviously I didn't have a kid at the time. I do now. So I have a different perspective on like mothering. But what I didn't remember when I remember in chapter three, because I'm told again, Marion was 17 when she had her first kid with Ted, who was 23. Obviously like that's fucked up or whatever, but um, I understand more what it means to be 17, to have raised two boys to teenagehood, to have an additional child after your boys died and to leave them. I, at the beginning when I read it, I would I didn't excuse her behavior. I didn't understand. I couldn't understand it. But now I can think back and I'm like, if I hadn't had a youth, a wild youth, mm-hmm. and I was in mothering from such a young age, which many people do, but I, I understand deeply why she left in her mid thirties, because like you did all of this work, you were the good mother, your babies died, okay, you had another kid. And then, you know, like the person you're with is gonna be a good parent. You don't have to worry about that, but like, what about you? You never had your own life. Your life was tied up with this person in the way that, as you can see through the discussion of Ted's infidelities and stuff, like it's not the same for him. He had his own independent life separate from the family unit. But you get the sense that Marianne did not. No, she didn't. You're right. That's Her- like so interesting to me to think about because it feels or it felt at the time to me that John Irving was very um, judgmental about Marianne's decision. But I get it. Like, I, I get it. If I had had two teenage boys and they died and then I had a new kid with the same partner... I, yeah, I think I understand her decision. And so are you saying that you now do not think John Irving was being judgmental of Marion's decision? 
No, I think he was. I'm just saying that I no longer you agree are not okay. with the narrator. I I disagree. Gotcha. Yeah, you, you know there is. I mean, I'm stating the obvious here, but a, a total double standard when it comes to men leaving children versus women leaving children. When men do it, oh, they just couldn't handle the pressure and they're an asshole and whatever. But when women do it, it is unthinkable. Yeah, it's wild, right? Like that—that's how it's portrayed. And and I haven't got yeah. to chapter three yet, so I don't—I uh, don't quite recall. <laughs> No, no, no. I've, like I said, read it before. That's why we're here. But I, I, I'll be interested to see how I feel about how it's portrayed. Yeah, it's so interesting. And like, I don't know. I can't say what anyone's experience is really outside of my own. Sure. But there is like, I love my kid like nothing else. But that you all, I always fantasize about being young, living abroad, mm, having yeah. wild, youthful, Adventure. adventurous life. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm lucky that outside of pandemic times, I have a job where I get to travel a couple times a year. So I get to have those moments of like, yes, I'm alone. Novelty. Yeah. Walk around, be alone, like go out for dinner by myself. Like I get that in small fun ways which I love but to be a full-time parent not have financial control of your life I I couldn't imagine like I couldn't imagine how difficult and stressful that would be plus it's also in the past so this is the 1960s right I think it's like 19 I want to say 58 yeah, it might be 58. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Which I remember remembering because my mom was born in 1958. So I was like, oh, oh. she's a mother. <laughs> Which is so interesting. Yeah, it's so funny. 58, you were right. Just looked it up. See? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I am enjoying reading it in this deliberate way because my uh, practice in reading usually is to go super fast to just mm-hmm. like whatever the vomiting version is of com- binging, I guess, like to binge mm-hmm. it in, like that's inhaling. Yeah. Inhaling. This yes, is nice because yeah. you can savor, you yeah, can you have like, to, you can steep in the words and just kind of sit with them and mull it over. And we've had a two week gap between yeah. recordings yeah. so we've had lots of time to mull everything over which is nice the other thing i like is like if this was a class i would have taken notes written questions so i had smart things to say but i like that it feels more intuitive because i i trust my interlocutor like my co-host <laughs> i don't like i i i think i like we'll have a conversation. I don't have to worry about having talking points, you know, like I have. Right, right. I mean, yeah. some things I was thinking and this is what I want to talk about. It's very, but yeah, it feels academic slash non-academic, which I deeply enjoy. And to me, artistic slash, I don't know if I could say academic. I have no, uh, no toe in that pool. Disagree. uh, (laughs) Disagree. 
<laughs> to me, it's it's it is art. This is a book. I love books. I love words. This is wonderful. Plus, I get to spend time chatting with my best friend. What could be better? I couldn't agree more. What could be better? I feel like that's a great place to end this episode. Wrap it up. All right, let's do it. Okay, well, next time, chapter four, I'm not going to F up and uh, accidentally read five. <laughs> I promise you that we agree on. That sounds great. All right. And uh, I'll talk to you then. Bye.